back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your convenience. September 21st, 2020. What the shutdown of Sprint's network means for tower companies. Lower price for longer duration. Is the messaging coming out of the new master lease agreement signed between T-Mobile and American Tower? But what does that mean? And why would a tower company need more duration given the historically low churn? We crunch the numbers in an attempt to answer those questions and come up with a view on 2021 estimates ahead of the February guide. We also discussed what AMT's new MLA might mean for SBA and why the Sprint integration is nothing like Metro PCS. 3.5% organic growth in 2021. Let's cut to the chase. We estimate AMT's organic tenant billings growth will drop to 3.5% in 2021 and then 2% in 2022. For context, AMT was growing tenant billings growth by over 7% in 2018 and 2019. Longer term, we believe AMT can return to 4% growth. However, 4% might now be AMT's max domestic leasing revenue growth rate, as the vast majority of its revenue will be tied up in MLAs. How do we get there? The first step to figuring out the T-Mobile MLA is to compare the $17 billion of new guaranteed lease revenue to the guaranteed revenue remaining on existing Sprint and T-Mobile leases. This is not a reported number or a precise calculation. We believe that substantially all of the incremental $17 billion of guaranteed revenue is merely a result of extending the term of existing leases with a standard 3.2% escalator. The limited amount of the $17 billion that is not from the extended lease duration is what we will call a convenience fee. What's a convenience fee? The convenience fee enables T-Mobile to execute on new co-locations and amendments without additional charges. This is important given the high level of activity T-Mobile expects in the coming years in order to deploy the 2.5 gigahertz spectrum. This effectively caps T-Mobile's near-term expenses at a rate that we believe is lower than it would have spent without a new MLA. We do not expect T-Mobile's network activity to generate overages beyond what is permitted under the convenience fee. We estimate the convenience fee will start at 2% and step down to 1.5% in the latter years of the MLA, although it could quite easily drop even lower than that level. We suspect this is the decline that T-Mobile CEO Mike Sievert was referencing at an investor conference last week. We believe the actual escalator will remain constant at over 3%. The convenience fee takes the place of a new co-location and amendment activity. To put the 2% and declining rate in context, AMT has grown domestic co-locations and amendments by more than 5.5% in 2018 and 2019. We believe Verizon's MLA has a higher implied convenience fee rate of at least 3%. T-Mobile CEO Mike Sievert's quote from the investor conference last week was as follows, quote, This is the first time we've ever done a major agreement where the escalators de-escalate over time, where this gets better and better and better with age. AMT faced two large and disruptive churn events. We believe the motivation for AMT to agree to this MLA deal was largely to smooth and thereby improve the optics of reported results for a broad investor base. AMT faced an estimated $625 million of legacy Sprint lease revenue coming up for renewal at the end of Q3 2021. While T-Mobile might not have been ready to churn all of it due to delays in the closing of the deal and a slower than expected pace of network deployment, 
we think it could have taken out a material slug. The sites T-Mobile wasn't ready to churn in 2021 were subject to an automatic five-year renewal. At the end of the five-year auto renewal option, we believe T-Mobile would have churned nearly all of the remaining Sprint cell sites. The amount of churn in those two distinct churn events would have resulted in revenue declines for AMT and would have been disruptive to AMT's broad investor base. Sprint is not MetroPCS. The integration of MetroPCS has been held up by Tower Bulls as a reason not to fear a massive churn event from consolidation. But the Sprint deal is not MetroPCS in a variety of ways. First, average daily usage of MetroPCS customers was materially lower. Cell density has increased dramatically as operators now stack more spectrum on existing towers. Small cells have emerged as a viable capacity option. Sprint sites have three additional years of escalators factored into their cost. Metro PCS churn was 3.4% compared to 1.85% at Sprint, providing a naturally faster migration path. T-Mobile has disclosed that only 10% of Sprint's postpaid traffic has been migrated onto its network, six months after deal closing. Metro PCS device upgrades were two times those at Sprint. We believe T-Mobile will be challenged to surgically remove Sprint sites it quote-unquote doesn't need. We base this view on the complexity of Sprint's network deployment, including how backhaul was meshed across multiple sites in some cases. We therefore believe T-Mobile's network strategy is to decommission more than 75% of Sprint sites, if not all. That means taking 2.5 GHz spectrum off a Sprint tower and deploying it on a T-Mobile tower. For the podcast listener, in our note, we inserted a table showing how subscribers and spectrum were migrated from MetroPCS into T-Mobile. Now back to the note. Smoothing out the Sprint churn. The new AMT MLA will spread out the Sprint churn over three years, smoothing out the impact on reported results. The mix of Sprint sites showing up in reported churn by AMT might up being less than 65% under the new MLA. The rest of the Sprint sites that we believe are destined for the garbage heap might be effectively embedded in the lower rate convenience fee described above, rolling this into consolidated estimates. Figuring out the MLA is only part of the battle. We then had to roll that data into overall domestic results. We expect AMT to spread the sprint churn over multiple quarters in each of the three years. We also expect the convenience fee to be booked as collocations and amendments. So we had to make an assumption for the lower historical implied growth rate in this KPI from Verizon and AT&T. Our primary, if not sole, opportunity for upside versus our new estimates would be revenue from DISH. That is unlikely to impact AMT results until 2022. The net result of this integration is to estimate consolidated domestic co-location and amendment revenue growth of just 2.8%, which compares to more than 5.5% in 2018 and 2019. In absolute terms, our 2021 estimate of new co-location and amendment lease revenue of $114 million compares to $206 million in 2019 and $135 million in 2020. It's all in the presentation. The MLA will enable AMT to maintain growth, albeit at depressed levels in 2022 and 2023. This should check the box for the broad investor base, We expect AMT management to focus investor attention on longer-term guaranteed growth rates and away from the near-term dip in revenue growth. In fact, 
they could simply exclude their impact of sprint churn as quote-unquote discontinued operation, like they did for India, where they present normalized results excluding carrier consolidation-driven churn. We believe it was this smoothening of a churn that motivated the MLA more so than quote-unquote trading price for duration. 15 years is a long time, which could encompass multiple technology cycles and provides plenty of time for the proliferation of small cells. Time will tell on which company made the right decision. $9 of AFFO in 2021. We estimate AFFO per share of $9 in 2021 compared to consensus of $9.22. We estimate $9.55 in 22 versus consensus of $10.14. This also does not include adjustments for prepaid rent, which we believe are appropriate for comparative valuation. Our 2021 revenue estimate is in line with consensus, and 2022 below consensus. However, consensus has not likely reflected the negative organic revisions, nor the positive impacts of increased non-cash straight-line revenue, also a function of the MLA. What does this mean for SBAC? The number of sprint sites coming up for renewal at SBA is spread out, creating far less volatility risk. We believe only 25% of sprint revenue to SBAC is up for renewal over the next three years, and that it won't be until 2025 until SBA faces a material renewal cycle. In the meantime, SBA should benefit from a ramp in co-location and amendment activity from T-Mobile and DISH in the second half of 2021. This growth will be further bolstered by Verizon's C-band ramp, which could begin in late 2022. As a result, we expect SBA to sustain more than 4% domestic organic tenant buildings growth and possibly see acceleration in 2022 and 2023, depending on Verizon and DISH's activity. Most importantly, our estimates indicate that SBA will be growing its domestic tower business faster than American Tower for at least the next four years which, when combined with a lower mix of international revenue, should argue for a steeper premium for SBAC relative to AMT's valuation. $10 of AFFO in 2021. We estimate SBA's AFFO per share of $10.08 and $10.98 for 2021 and 2022, respectively. This compares to consensus of $10.27 and $11.46, and does not include any adjustments for prepaid rent. Our 2021 and 22 revenue estimates are below consensus, which has not likely reflected upcoming churn of 25% of Sprint's revenue through 2023. Crown Castle. We suspect Crown Castle is more likely to opt for an MLA than SBA, even though it does not appear to face a material churn event from Sprint until 2023. This means that Crown Castle can likely sustain its organic domestic tower lease revenue growth at 4% for the next two years. The bigger question for Crown Castle is when small cell deployments will accelerate. Verizon's focus on C-band is likely a higher priority at the moment, and we think this is most effectively deployed first on macro towers. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.